Hey there. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, mother, and the voice behind the Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease lymphedema has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, there's an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I made this podcast just for you. Disclaimer, if you feel you have lymphedema but have not been diagnosed, please see your medical professional as this podcast is not a replacement for a diagnosis in person, a treatment in person from your certified lymphedema therapist, or a substitution for your doctor's medical advice. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to today's episode of Lymphedema Podcast. I am so glad that you are joining me for this conversation on manual lymphatic drainage. And joining me again today is Gunter Close. He joined me last month as we talked about the differences in lymphedema therapist and just ways that patients can advocate for themselves when choosing their lymphatic therapist. So, Gunter, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you, Betty, and I'm glad to be here. And on this special day, I would like to wish you a very happy birthday. Of course, all the happiness in the world, good health, because we need you. With all your activities, I want to use that opportunity to thank you for the Lymphedema podcasts, but also for your involvement in Camp Watch Me and the Berlin's Feed Foundation. It's so important to have you there and um, wish you all the best on this special day. Thank you. I cannot think of a better way to be spending my birthday than talking about MLD with you. So thank you for joining me. And thank you for the birthday wish. Um, to start the conversation, I want to go back to part of what really started this all about a conversation or presentation you had at the NLN conference last year. And you said there's no universal agreement about manual lymphatic drainage. Can you elaborate on what you meant by this? Yeah, I love to speak about manual lymphatic drainage because there's so many different purposes for providing manual lymphatic drainage to either clients in a spa type setting or patients in a clinical setting. And so the manual lymphatic drainage can look very, very different. It's very different if someone you know, signs up for a spa treatment to receive manual lymphatic drainage for maybe uh, general detoxification or maybe to treat an autoimmune disease. And um, then, of course, you have lymphedema in which um, the manual lymphatic drainage needs to be performed um, differently. So I think we need to, and that's that's very difficult for people, recognize that there's many different usages for manual lymphatic drainage and that the manual lymphatic drainage that is applied can look very, very different from one setting to another setting. And even between the people who are doing manual lymphatic drainage specifically for the treatment in lymphedema, their approaches can be quite different. And, and that is very confusing to, um, to the consumer, to the patient, to the client. So um, 
We just need to kind of like find the best uh, manual lymphatic drainage practitioner that is most suited for the application. And that can be a little bit of a challenge, but there's no universal agreement on what manual lymphatic drainage really has to look like. Do you think that we will ever have one? I'm in a group that we were just discussing um, something along these lines for an ILF project coming up in June. And I'm a, I'm a little bit of a disruptor. And so they were saying that we need to find, you know, we need to publish and produce what everyone agrees on and not really go against the grain. And I just kind of jumped in and said, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't want to sound discouraging, but part of me doesn't feel like there's ever going to be a universal agreement on this topic. What do you think? No, I'm actually more with you than with the others. <laughs> and I want to say that is okay because manual lymphatic drainage is a skill. It's a skill that is applied to, let's say, patients with lymphedema. And you know, and and a lot of the listeners will know that no two patients are ever alike. Ever. So you can have a patient where you use milder, more gentle approach in one area of their body and maybe a heavier touch and maybe some even incorporate some deep tissue work in other areas of the body. So you have the same body, the same patient, the same session. And in that session, you may do a lighter touch and a heavier touch where it's applicable. So I think we need to really recognize that no two lymphedemas are the same. And therefore we need to adjust our skill and method. So there's no, I wanna say cookie cutter approach to treating lymphedema. And um, so we will probably never have this kind of like uniform agreement of what manual lymphatic drainage um, uh, has to be like because there's so many variables. And, and that's why it is, a little bit of an art as much as a science to provide lymph, uh, manual lymphatic drainage. And for the listeners, what would you like for them to know about MLD, especially MLD that's for the treatment of lymphedema? Yeah, our clinical experience and what we have learned over the years has really confirmed that um, our manual lymphatic drainage, the way it was first described by Dr. Vader in the 1930s, um, has to be applied with a slightly firmer touch than what most people believe it should be applied. We want to get a good stretch of the skin. We want to have a depth which actually reaches the collectors that are typically located right against the muscle fascia underneath the subcutaneous tissue. And so we have learned that a slightly firmer touch will be more beneficial to patients with lymphedema than um, the original uh, Dr. Vader method from the 1930s. And at this point, I really want to remind people that Dr. Vader, who is, in my opinion, the creator of manual lymphatic drainage, or at least the first person who has used the term manual lymphatic drainage for the work that he did, 
on patients with chronic colds. He did not develop it for lymphedema. I think when we recall this history, that little piece of history, it tells us that, yes, it's a great method. And someone along the way came along and said, hey, there's manual lymphatic drainage. Here's lymphedema. Let's merge these two. Uh, but the original water technique was not created to treat lymphedema. And so I'm pleased to say that over the years, we have changed our approach a little bit to a slightly heavier touch. And clinically, that works much, much better in patients with all kinds of like lymphedema. I love that little bit of history. That's something that I find interesting. I actually hate like American history. I don't like that type of history, but to learn kind of how things were created and part of why we do things as practitioners and clinicians, I really enjoy that. And it made me think about my first patient after I was a CLT. And I remember practicing and the quote in the textbook was that your pressure should be no more than when you rub a baby's head. And I just remembered in my mind, I was imagining her arm was a little baby's head. And I was like, no, that that's too, that's too firm. No. Okay. That's, that's nice. And the lady was like, how are you ever going to do anything? Is this going to work? And I thought, lady, I don't know. I just got out of my class and the lady that I practiced on was 45 pounds smaller than you and had no swelling in her body. I don't know. I didn't want to tell her that, but in my mind, I thought, heck, if I know, I have no idea if this is going to work. I don't know. No, I think, uh, and, and, and there are still people who are kind of like living that original, you know, Dr. Vader principle, if you will, of a feather like some people say nickel light touch. And um, I think that doesn't serve a patient with established lymphedema. Now, there's always a need for these really, really gentle techniques in patients who are maybe still going through cancer treatment or are treated palliatively then you wanna really tone your manual lymphatic drainage down to a level that they can tolerate. But when you think about your average patient with lymphedema who has now developed a thickening of the skin, induration of the tissues, um, you really need to um, increase the pressure um, from let's say the original Dr. Vader technique in order to serve them clinically well. And so it's really um, an art as much as it is, you know, a technique that we all learn. Um, it's an art to provide just the right amount of pressure for that individual that you have in front of you, because that can be different from one person to the next person. And you have to tune into that from one client to the next. I'm glad that you said that because I feel like sometimes I take <clears throat> clinical, I mean, it's, it's clinical decision-making. I don't want to say at all that I'm like taking liberty or using my imagination, but that's exactly what clinical decision-making is, is it's taking our skill set and our mindset, our knowledge, and we're applying that because I started to use a firmer technique and I almost felt like I needed to hide that from my supervising therapist. 
And so yeah. I would just be like, we're having great results. And I didn't want yeah. to say it's because my pressure is two to three times firmer than what I was originally with. And I think just with time, that's what happens is you learn. And I've never been the person when they say, oh, when you do MLD, you can see, you can feel the limp angiomotoricity underneath your hands. And I'm like, no, I never felt that. But I could get deeper and I could feel the softening of the lymphatic fluid. So I'm glad that you said that because now I feel more like it was the right thing to do that I was just making something up. Yeah, I hope that people who are like you will feel validated. And I want to maybe use a different word. It's not that you use your imagination, but you're using your clinical reasoning. You're you're tuning into what needs to be done on that patient. And there's a certain amount of intuition that we put into our work. So more power to you. I think um, a lot of people, I hope, who listen to that podcast feel validated and not afraid. I mean, let's look at it this way. I don't want you to turn every session into a deep tissue. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, would, that would not be right. But um, we do need to rethink manual lymphatic drainage in 2023, for sure. The popularity of ICG lymphography has um, been something that has been interesting to me. And I would like to know your thoughts on how the ICG studies change our practice of manual lymph drainage. I hope you're enjoying listening to this episode so far. I want to jump in and tell you guys that you should be definitely checking out the sponsors who support Lymphedema Podcast. This year, our sponsors are Eros Medical, Clay, which is Pediatric Lymphedema Alliance, Medi, and Juzo. Go check out their websites, go check out their Instagrams and their social medias and find them so that they can help you power through your lymphedema journey. I'm really glad that you are actually bringing up ICG because it is changing on how we practice manual lymphatic drainage. And I'm super intrigued with the research that people do in Australia and other places. Here in this country, just for the listeners who are not so familiar with the Indesign and Green studies, it is typically done. It's a test that shows lymphatic function in real time. Beautiful greenish images of the lymphatic system. And it's typically done here in this country pre-surgically when a person is maybe a candidate for a lymphovenous anastomotic surgery that they would do the indesign and green. In Australia, they're doing it for research to see you know, where things drain after cancer surgery, for example, after dissection of lymph nodes. And it has changed how we at close training are practicing um, manual lymphatic drainage and how we teach it to our students. I'll give you one example. A few years ago, maybe five, six years ago, I would have still told you to avoid this surgical axilla, the axilla that had lymph nodes removed. We are now incorporating the ipsilateral axilla, that is the axilla that had the lymph nodes removed, provided that there is no skin changes or there's 
Maybe there might be a seroma that precludes us from treating that axilla, but we typically now incorporate this into our sequence. And that should be new for someone who has learned manual lymphatic drainage, you know, five, six, seven, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, we also um, learning that um, the touch of our manual lymphatic drainage in order to affect the lymphatic system has to be a little stronger, just like we discussed already earlier. Yeah. So at close training, we have really um, taken um, this and changed our whole approach to manual lymphatic drainage and really uh, looked at the sequences to what is most beneficial for a patient and what could be um, avoided so we could be most effective in our treatments uh, for our patients. It has changed, but I want to make one important point um, about the research that you read, particularly from the Australian group. They show no evidence of a axilloinguinal anastomotic pathway. Um, most listeners probably know that if you had lymphedema on one side of the body, upper body, arm, chest, breast edema, you would typically channel it to the contralateral side and down to the inguinal nodes. Now, the Australian group does not show any axilloinguinal pathways, but then I'm listening to other people who have done indesign and green research in breast cancer-related lymphedema, and they do show um, a connection between the trunk to the inguinal nodes. And I want to caution people as much as we want to embrace the new research and incorporate the new findings. I would say if your patient has breast, chest wall edema, the upper quadrant is affected, I would still go to the contralateral unaffected side. And I would still use the my techniques on the lower portion of the upper quadrant, the inferior portion of the upper quadrant, and work it down to the inguinal uh, nodes as well. So that fluid, that chest and breast edema needs to be dispersed into different um, section of the body. Uh, don't forget to work the supraclavicular fossa on the ipsilateral side. So the Indesign and Green study shows uh, a good connection in almost like half of your patients up into the SCF. So there's a lot that we can learn from it, but you also have to be a little careful and um, use your clinical experience in addition to the Indesign and Green findings. And I think that's when you're most successful, that you're not just putting all your eggs in one basket, but use the science. Uh, information and marry that with your clinical experience. And I think that will make you a good practitioner. I wonder if the mindset or the approach that we have the plexus so that we have that covering that can really move lymph fluid from anywhere. I wonder if that has any validity in the ICG study as far as the, you know, not showing the watershed, but they're still showing drainage. Could that be potential? I mean, and this is just, you know, speculation between the both of us probably because we weren't in those studies um, and seeing the images necessarily, but I wonder if it's 
the plexus that maybe they're seeing some of those um, pathways show up on, or if it is a watershed, that's interesting. Cause I actually had not heard that those studies were not finding the axillo-inguinal pathway. So that's an interesting and new thing for me. I'm going to probably re read on, read into that when this is over. So I really think that, um, you are right. It's not just the collectors that we are after. And, and you know, that's what typically is shown with the InDesign in Green. If a person has a certain amount, a significant amount, I want to say, of dermal backflow, that fluid moves through tissue spaces in the plexus. But one thing that is um, important to acknowledge, it is moving very slow. So we have to slow down our techniques increase our pressure and there's a couple images you may even find it on youtube about this from the australian group where you can see that the um the fluid that is now trapped in the tissues moves pretty slowly and sluggishly and so our speed and our pressure needs to be adjusted um and i think you know the indesign in green uh, research is still in its infancy. Um, it does have a couple shortcomings because you only see about two centimeters into the tissues that's less than an inch deep. So if that indesign in green was absorbed into collectors that are deeper um, or inside the muscle compartment, then you would unfortunately not see that um, on the screen. So it's not without you know, shortcomings, but we will learn more. And I think over the years, it will actually um, still allow us to adjust our techniques and, and be more um, efficient in what we do with our patients. I'm going to switch to another study because some suggest that MLD is not really beneficial, that it may not be a necessary component of the lymphedema treatment. And I wonder your thoughts on that. Yeah, this is very unfortunate. If I go to any conference, particularly international conferences, you find someone in the conference saying like, oh, you're still doing MLD on patients with lymphedema. And I find that very unfortunate because clinically, I know the benefit of manual lymphatic drainage. And I can also say that if you were to try fixing lymphedema with just bandaging and exercise, you would create a lot of proximal congestion, either in the shoulder, in the hip, maybe even push that fluid into the genital area if you're just using compression and not what I casually want to say, flush it out with manual lymphatic drainage. But it is unfortunate when I um, speak to those therapists who are, you know, making that point at a conference, I would oftentimes hear, I would ask them, what kind of like manual lymphatic drainage did you apply? And they would refer to it as the traditional Dr. Vader method. And I'm going like, yeah, if I stuck to the traditional Dr. Vader method from 1930s, maybe I wouldn't get 
the results either. We have to adjust our pressure, and this is a reoccurring theme, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. We have to adjust our pressure to the individual that we are treating. And there is a subset of people who are providing manual lymphatic drainage, but maybe not in the appropriate manner or dosage. And then it's really easy to prove that manual lymphatic drainage is not a um, a valuable component to your CDT. I find that very um, um, frustrating because a lot of patients who really need that proximal decongestion could potentially be shortchanged if an insurance reads the article and say, oh, here we have it. MLD is not necessary in your case. And I feel um, that that could really shortchange a lot of uh, patients who, who need manual lymphatic drainage. That's unfortunate in a way that it comes down to that universal application of MLD that we're not all on the same page as clinicians and practitioners. So we're not applying the same treatment. And so not all patients are receiving proper MLD. And then that in turn is causing almost like a, a different thought process or a way of looking at MLD as a component that isn't necessary. And that's it's unfortunate because it sounds like we as clinicians have failed them more than the technique. Right. No, I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, speaks to what I said earlier. We need to customize our MLD to each patient's uh, needs, if you will. Yeah. And um, and if we if we don't do that, if we employ a cookie cutter approach on our patients, uh, or still hang on to tradition for the sake of tradition and not have adjusted our our thinking, our technique to the requirements of the patient, then yes, your skill set, in my opinion, is not up to par. And you are not getting the effects that a more skilled um, clinician um, is getting. So it is unfortunate that it's almost like easier to prove that MLD is not valuable as opposed to the opposite. Right. But many of our patients and many of the listeners who are providing manual lymphatic drainage um, know what I'm talking about. And the way I put it in my classes, and I think this is a good way to think about it. You have to put intent and purpose into your work because manual lymphatic drainage is a modality where you could easily be very distracted. You could be, you know, distracted by, you know, your phone. You could be distracted in a conversation with a patient. You could be easily, you know, not putting intent and purpose into your work and, and that way you can also shortchange the patient. I think clinicians who are doing manual lymphatic drainage on a daily basis really need to ground themselves once in a while and say, am I still putting intent and purpose into the work that I'm applying on this patient? Am I treating that person the same way I would want to be treated if I had lymphedema? Think about that. 
I always tell people, treat that person as if it was you or one of your loved ones on the table. You want to have the best treatment for them. And if you treat that person that way and put intent and purpose into your work, I guarantee you, you will get results and you will get a lot of thank you notes from your patients. That's a, that is what I have always tried to do with my patients is I would think of, you know, what I want, would I want this for my grandmother? You know, would I, I just had this conversation. I just did a presentation, not about lymphedema, but I just did a presentation at an assisted living. It's actually independent living place. And I told them, I said, my boss probably doesn't want me to tell you this, but if this was a room of my grandmother or my dad in it, I would say, and so I said something and I thought this is going to get me fired. And in most cases, <laughs> clinically and the things that I normally do, I'm like, someone with some authority is probably going to fire me at some point because I do, I just try to treat everyone that way because Oh, God forbid, whenever I'm, you know, needing care and someone's just doing it because a textbook told them or a manual told them and they're not using their heads or their hearts to treat, that's dangerous. Yeah, no, you have to pay it forward, right? Because if we ever in that position, I would not want to have secondhand manual lymphatic drainage or kind of like, um, you know, a practitioner who doesn't put their best effort into my treatment. So the way I look at it, we pay it forward and should we ever need it, hopefully will come back to us. Let's hope it, I bet it comes back to us. So one of the other things, um, we have two other points left for this conversation. And one of the points we were, and we we're just talking about this, how not all of the practitioners are really the same. How do the patients, how do the listeners find a good MLD practitioner? <laughs> yeah, this is interesting because, you know, once a practitioner is certified in manual lymphatic drainage and CDT, you would think that they are doing, you know, um, a great job. But I think the person who is receiving the treatment needs to really make sure that the treatment feels adequate. I can't say it any other way because it's easier for anyone to shop for a new car and do a test drive. You cannot do that with your CLT. You cannot say, well, give me a treatment and let me compare that to the next hospital. So it's really important that if you feel like you're not getting the treatment, or one indication to me, and that may be touching on the next point already, is like if that practitioner is not performing the manual lymphatic drainage on the skin, that is a red flag. Manual lymphatic drainage needs to be provided on the skin. Uh, we need to see the skin moving. We need to feel the stretch of the skin. And um, we also need that visual because we are treating patients with scar tissue, we need uh, to see where our, you know, potential barriers are for the manual lymphatic drainage. So if your practitioner is um, providing manual lymphatic drainage over clothing, that would be my first red flag. 
And then if the manual lymphatic drainage is indeed very feather light, light or um, not barely touching the surface, that would also be a practitioner where I would want to check and question the integrity of their manual lymphatic drainage. Um, sometimes it's the intuition of the patient. They need to uh, realize that if it feels it's working, they're making progress in treatment, um, then they should stay, but they should also be empowered to and encouraged to leave that practitioner, ask for someone else, or maybe even go to another facility um, and try it out. Because like I said, it's easier to buy a used car <laughs> than finding uh, that person that provides you with the best treatment. I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. And the final question, and you did touch on it, but I wanted to leave some extra time for us to discuss is going to be, can MLD be performed over clothing? Mm. And before you actually answer this question, I'm going to let everyone know that we are going to have a two-part series for this episode. Come back next week and hear Gunter's in-depth answer to, can MLD be done over clothing? See you next week. Mother Teresa says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about our topic today. Remember, if there's a topic you're looking for, the website has a full library of podcasts. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode. 